Hey, welcome into Breaking the Huddle presented by Dr. Pepper. It's a college football tradition. No tailgate or watch party is complete without a little Dr. Pepper. I'm Joel Klatt, and thank you for joining us tonight. Make sure to subscribe to the Breaking the Huddle podcast on iTunes. We'd very much appreciate that. We also want you, the fan, to be a part of the show. So comment right here live, and we'll respond. And if you really like the show, this is where it gets difficult. Go ahead and share it because we want to enjoy it with all of our friends. Coming up on today's show, both Matt Leinert and Bruce Feldman join me. We'll dive into Ohio State's playoff chances after their loss to Penn State a week ago. What, if any, challenges lie ahead for number one Alabama and its potential Pac-12 championship game this weekend? And uh, the matchup, fourth-ranked Washington heads to Salt Lake to take on 17th-ranked Utah. So we finally had that major upset to shake up the college football world with Ohio State losing to Penn State. While I didn't quite predict the upset, I did say last week that Michigan was a better team than the Buckeyes. I guess I was a little ahead of the curve. Ohio State is not the clear favorite in the Big Ten, and here's why. The Buckeyes crawled out of Wisconsin's Camp Randall Stadium last week with a huge win. Ohio State deserves some serious love. However, no offense, Buckeyes, but there's a team in maize and blue that has been dominant this season. Here are three reasons why I have moved Michigan ahead of Ohio State. Number one, Michigan held Wisconsin to eight total first downs and 159 total yards. Michigan dominated, while Ohio State was lucky to even be in that game. Number two, Michigan is ranked ahead of Ohio State in every statistical defensive category, including total yards, passing and rushing yards, plus scoring defense. And number three, and most importantly, Michigan has the one player that I believe can neutralize Ohio State's Curtis Samuel, and that's Jabril Peppers, the most dynamic defender in the country. Sorry, Buckeye fans. I'm taking Michigan on this one. So there you go. All the Ohio State fans were a little upset <laughs> with me, as you can imagine, on social media all week. But then they went out and they lost the game to Penn State, guys. Bruce Feldman and Matt Leinert now join me. Matt did not bring his Heisman. No. Uh, we're waiting for that here on Facebook Live. I don't think it's going to happen this year. Do you want to? Do you want to bring it? I was never notified to bring it. If you want, maybe if you text me sometime. I'll, do you put a seatbelt uh, wow. on the Heisman when you drive? Wow. In the passenger seat. You know what? I would I, buckle I had, it up had, right had, there. I go had, to the carpool lane. Actually, I've taken a photo like that just for fun. But, uh, <laughs> that thing just that thing's hanging out somewhere. It's hiding out. It's not on display. I would have it on display, but that's just me. No, 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 not me. You're a humble guy. Yeah, I'm humble a humble guy. guy. Let's get into Ohio humble State, guy. fellas. They yeah. lose to Penn State. I think the striking thing for me when you look at that game is the 21-7 lead going into the fourth quarter. You don't think Urban Meyer and Ohio State are going to lose a 21-7 lead with that defense, mm -hmm. with the fact that they're always good on special teams. And what ends up happening? One, the defense gives up that insanely quick 90-yard drive with the two huge plays, both uh, a little over 30 yards. One of them, Saquon Barkley, uh, that was able uh, to put, put them inside the five-yard line, and then they punched it in. And then two special teams gaffs for Ohio State, the block punt, and then the block field goal taken back for a touchdown. It was shocking, to be honest with you, to kind of see that unravel right under Ohio State and Urban Meyer because they've been so good for so long, in particular on the road. They had won 20 straight. Urban Meyer had not lost a true road game, and all of a sudden it unravels in the fourth quarter. Were you shocked? Yeah, I was shocked, and, and I think if you just look at Ohio State's season and you mentioned the, the road games this year at Oklahoma, um, at Wisconsin the week before in overtime, and you just wondered the whole year was – they're young, they're inexperienced. Yeah. At some point, maybe it catches up to them. 
And, and, and we all know, I mean, you play the game, they're experienced now. They've played in some big games. They won some big games. But it just, it just felt like it was a matter of time that maybe another team just made that, that extra play. Sure. And, and I just think you have to credit Penn State, guys. I mean, Penn State kept – they were in it the whole game. They, they were just kind of hovering. I mean, they didn't play well. They didn't play well, but, but like you said, it was 21-7. So, yeah. it, was still, it was still within striking so distance. let's say on the 21-7 point. Here's a question I have for you. You did, you did their game against Ohio State, Noah, yep. against, against Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Noah Brown looked fantastic. But, you know, I feel like it's been a couple of years since they won the national title when they've had a deep threat. Mm-hmm. They have all this speed on offense. How come they have not been able to develop – a down-the-field threat to give wow. JT Barrett more help in the pass game. I think it points at there's only one constant in that equation, and that's Barrett. Because you lose Cardell Jones, who is a real throw-it-deep, yeah, kind of a gunslinger type of guy Different as far as style. that. Barrett doesn't throw up down the field all that well. He's got a long delivery. I think he's more of a point guard mm-hmm. than he is a threat. So you think it's more of a JT thing than yeah, it's the receivers? Okay. I do. And I also think that they don't trust their pass protection, well, which they shouldn't. They gave up five sacks coming into this game, which was great. Then they gave up six and this on wasn't, Saturday. And this is a Penn State defense, by the way, that lost its three best D linemen last year. They had the really good D line last year. This wasn't a really you know fierce group. It wasn't like you know they went up against Alabama. Right. Here. I mean, that's the surprising part to me was how much pressure they got on him, and, including the last two plays of the game, sacks that ended the game. So. When, when I look at it, I think that's the, huge, the, mm-hmm. the big problem. The huge problem for Ohio State is their lack of ability to throw the ball right. down the field. Yeah. And it's not even throwing it down the field because anybody can throw the ball down the field. It's threatening the defense mm-hmm. down the field. And I think that there's a huge difference. Yeah, there's a huge difference. And, and if you're watching offensive game, Phil, you, you're, you're scared of the speed. You're scared of Weber, Samuel, these guys. But a lot of it's sideline to sideline. You know, it's, it's the misdirection. It spreads you out. But when you don't have a quarterback that – consistently throws the ball downfield. And Noah Brown's a good player. It takes a lot of pressure on the back end so the front seven can, you know, you can stack the box. You still have to make plays, but um, it gives the defense more freedom to do things and to stop the run when you know you can, hey, we'll be one-on-one on the outside and we'll take our chances because we know they're not a great throwing team down the field. And it just caught up to them. And the last couple of weeks, guys, it's not, they haven't been playing great. You know, they beat nope. Indiana by three touchdowns, but that game was not great it, in the it first wasn't, half. It yeah, wasn't they great. They a big kickoff return at yeah. the end of the second quarter, or else it's a and really then, And then game. Wisconsin, and the, the, the most alarming thing, and that was a great win for Ohio State on the road, but Wisconsin is not an offensive, like, explosive machine. No. And they, and they, a ton of and they ran all over them. Hornerbrook passed the ball well. So, so there was some concerns going into this game. I didn't expect it to happen this way, but. I can't say I'm totally surprised now when you put the last three uh, games together. I, I was shocked because I didn't think Penn State had it in them. And really, l- listen, to be fair, Ohio State dominated the game. 37 minutes time of possession. Yep. They outgained them 413 yards to 276. But it was the critical errors. The football games, regardless of level, come down to a few plays. In tight mm-hmm. games like this, right? In big environments, they come down to a few plays. And the bottom line is Penn State made those plays and Ohio State didn't and I thought the most shocking part was a lot of those happened on the specials now let's spin this forward towards the division because a lot of people are talking about how this is not going to hurt Ohio State in the long run and how they control their own destiny that's not entirely the case so if you're out there and you're a Buckeye fan and you think don't worry we'll just win out like we did a few years ago after losing to Virginia Tech which probably was a worse loss than this but then went out and then end up in the playoffs still you still don't control your own destiny. Michigan just Michigan has to enter that game undefeated for you to control your own destiny. The way that the three-team uh, tiebreaker goes in the Big Ten, 
if Michigan loses a Big Ten game and then Ohio State were to beat Michigan, then you're sitting there with Penn State in a, in a one-for-one tiebreaker situation and Penn State goes to the Big Ten championship game. And I hate to say it, with, with all the contenders right now for the college football playoff, they're not going to take a non-division winner when there's better non-division <laughs> winners out there like Louisville. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a precarious spot to be in right now for Ohio State. They do not control their own destiny. Yeah, and I, would, you know, I had this argument on our podcast with, with Stu Mandel where he said they could. I was like, you either control your own destiny or you don't. It's not you kind of you don't. control. Yeah, you don't. don't. To me, the they part do. that's missing for them is if somehow you get a Big 12 team, whether it's Baylor or West Virginia, is undefeated at 12-0, and 0, I mean, would you take as bad as Baylor's non-conferences? Would you take Ohio State, even if they won out and went 12 and one, and beat Michigan? Would that automatically trump an undefeated Big 12 champ? Oh, that would. Were be you close. talking about Ohio State wins the Big Ten at so 12 and one? In your yeah. scenario, Michigan doesn't lose. Ohio State beats Michigan and is a one-loss Big Ten champion. Correct. And then they would be pit up against either West Virginia or ba- Baylor. Whoever would be undefeated. I think that West Virginia would get the nod of Ohio State, and Ohio State would get the nod over Baylor. Baylor. Yeah, I think so, too. Because Missouri is that much better than SMU? No, but they also played BYU. BYU. It's not like their schedule was terrible. And listen, I understand your argument. There's no doubt. I'm not really arguing. I'm just curious how the... Yeah, the situation. It's pretty slim there. I think the wild card is Louisville, depending on everything that happens, because they're going to be a one-loss, most likely non-division, obviously non-division You know what hurts uh, Louisville? Houston's lost two games yeah. in a row. That all Houston, of a sudden now, but, but if Louisville beats them, Houston's going to be an eight and four team. It'll just be interesting to see where Louisville is next week in the in the rankings and just how they're viewed because they're still the eye test, the 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 Lamar Jackson, the defense. I mean, this this team is still really legit. You know, no doubt. Opinion, so in particular with what they did to NC State yeah. uh, last week and what so. NC State did to Clem, Clemson the week before. Uh, NC State should have won that game against Clemson. So. To, to button this up on, on on Ohio State, if you were to put odds on it, Ohio State going to the playoff, what would it be? Knowing that they, A, don't control their own destiny. In fact, their fate is in that school up north's hands because if Michigan were to lose, like let's say to Nebraska, right? I am, mean, I, am I missing that? Michi- no, Michigan uh... Plays well, they play I- Michigan State, Iowa. Iowa is the one, one I was road. thinking about. Yeah. One on yeah. the road, they play Iowa. They play Michigan State. They play Iowa on the road. What happens if Michigan slips up? Well, I don't think it helps. Also, that Oklahoma's, not, you know, maybe Oklahoma would be a fringe top ten team by then. But you're going to look at their schedule. It's not going to be that imposing. Yeah, they're going to get uh, a Nebraska team, but I still don't look at it and go, okay, they have a lot of they have a lot of juice on this schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, I would give them right now a 20% chance of getting in. 20%. What do you think? I think I think it's less because I don't think they beat Michigan. I think Michigan's going to yeah. run the table. Okay. Uh, that's just I just I think Michigan, uh, and I know the schedule has been favorable for them, but now the fact that the road game against Michigan State, the road game against Iowa, it's always difficult to go on the road. But those two teams don't scare me if I'm mm-hmm. Michigan. Obviously, the Ohio State game is a big game, but. They're they're balanced. They're winning convincingly. They're dominating. They're doing everything they have to do to get to that point. I just don't know if Ohio State can beat them. Don is a Michigan fan, and he says those useless Buckeyes will not beat <laughs> Michigan. Uh, I'm with you, Don. So let's let's talk about this Michigan team because they're traveling to Michigan State this week, and they move up to number two in the poll. They haven't been number two in the AP poll since 2006. 
I went back to look at just their poll history. Here's a quick nugget on, on Michigan and just their historic success. And obviously, they're the winningest program in college football, blah, blah, blah. They were at some point ranked inside of the AP top 10. And every single season, every single one, from 1968 to 2007, that's astonishing the run of success that Michigan had, and then Rich Rodriguez got the job, and everyone who's a Michigan fan just Jim poked Harbaugh. themselves in the How eyes. How good is Jim Harbaugh? I think Jim Harbaugh, <laughs> without a championship, it's, you know, all the, all the Sabanites and all the Meyerites, are, you know, they'll get after you if you say Jim Harbaugh's you the think best he, coach. You think he's the best coach, right? Well, you, haven't you said that before? Listen, I think that this is a factual statement. He's the most successful coach when you talk about all levels of football coaching and college because football right now. both levels. Wait a minute, what about his old coach? I would say Pete Carroll is right up there, but Pete I'm had Pete Lane. Carroll. I'm at Lane, but... Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Coach Ogeron? Yeah. Pete Carroll had a failure in his hip pocket before he got to USC in the NFL. Like, Jim Harbaugh has not had But he's never... That, but, yeah, but I, I Jim, think but Jim Harbaugh never won a national... Hasn't won a I, national... I, I, Super Bowl. I get it. I get it. But Saban didn't have the NFL success that Harbaugh did. Look at what the 49ers were before Harbaugh got there and now after. I you can't make, just say, like, oh, no, no, that was a great the team. Argument. They were a 500 Nick team, and now they're Saban worse than 500. Saban is the greatest college football coach there has ever been. I don't disagree with you. I, my statement stands as he's the – Harbaugh's the most successful coach when you look at the entire body across levels. I still would go Pete Carroll over that because he's won the Super Bowl, has the Super Bowl ring, he has the national championship. Uh, yeah, I, see, this is you're you're falling victim to like the Saban Meyer. To, <laughs> I'm, I'm victim saying that I'm sitting on the outside of the bar and you're in the inside of the bar. That's I, I'm just is. saying that if you look at I any other coach, they had a pocket of time where they were not successful. Harbaugh hasn't had that anywhere. Saban had it at Miami. Um, Urban Meyer has had that at times at Florida late in his tenure. I know, but we're still talking about. He, I mean, he's the only uh, thing is you're measuring right, that it. on success, and but he were also saying he's got championships right, at all levels. It. He's I built program. I mean, yeah. I mean, you might. Be I think coach. Harbaugh's a great coach. Yeah. It's Harbaugh's unbelievable what he's coach. done. Yeah, I think Harbaugh is and a he great gets coach. the most out of his players. More, uh, very much like Saban, just the most out of his players. Because remember last year, they. I mean, you called the game, and mm -hmm. we've talked about it before, but they looked so bad against Utah that opening week, and to win ten games. The coaching to get them, and now the fact that they're just rolling. I mean, it's it's an unbelievable job he's done. So now they've got the revenge game. By the way, just so that you don't get all upset, one Bruce and two all the Sabanites. Nick Saban's the best coach in college football. Urban Meyer's second to that. All I'm saying is okay, that Bruce. Harbaugh. I, I haven't seen anyone do yet, do what Harbaugh has done. I really Joel, have. Joel's in the chair. He's I haven't seen. Chair. I haven't this seen is, anyone do what King Harbaugh's Platt. done. Definitely not King Clad. King Clad is not serving after a certain. <laughs> <laughs> He's not serving this side of the ball. That's true. the The game in East Lansing, Michigan State's lost five in a row. Hasn't happened under D'Antonio. Hasn't happened this decade. I mean, how much motivation do you think Michigan has? And I'm not one to say like, <laughs> oh, extra motivation, but I can't even fathom how much they want to beat Michigan State. Well, knowing this year. Harbaugh and just what he does and all you know how he ruffles feathers and gets under people's skin he's not going to get under d'antonio's skin but i can guarantee you that there's some added motivation for this game and the fact that michigan state is down it doesn't matter they might they might try to pull a rutgers and score 70 on this team i'm <laughs> telling you they, they might do it and he will have no problem doing it i mean he, he and he went for two against pete 
Oh yeah, that didn't end well either. That was pretty. Yeah. What's your deal, game? Hey, what's, what's your, your deal? deal? What's your deal? This this Michigan team is is really good, and it starts with the defense, guys. The defense has been dominant. What they've done to Wisconsin. Uh, shoot, the the team that that played the best and scored the most was your Buffaloes, Colorado, and. Um, I just think they're balanced offensively. Wilton Spade's doing a great job. They run the football. They're getting Jabril Peppers involved. Um, it's a very, very tough team to beat right now with the defenses playing that well. Bruce, defensively, Michigan, their last four opponents have not gained more than 191 total yards in any of those games. And in their last three games, combined, combined, they've given up 16 total first downs. You were just at a game where, what, there was 75 made yeah. between Oklahoma and Texas Tech on one night? <laughs> Michigan's given up 16 total first downs in three games. I think what you're looking at here is, so you had the number one defensive coordinator in the college football last year with BC, and now Don Brown Don goes Brown. to Michigan. He has way better personnel. He has arguably maybe the second best defensive line. I would give Alabama number one, but... You put a true lockdown cornerback in Jordan Lewis mm -hmm. and like an X-Factor guy like Peppers where he can be ultra-aggressive. Um, that's fun to see what he's going to do. I mean, whether Ohio State has one loss or two losses going in, I mean, I can't wait for that matchup. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think if it's Brian Lewerke, who's a freshman quarterback going at it for, for Michigan State, I mean, I think the spread is 21 and a half. I think they could lose by 31 in this game. I wouldn't be surprised. The only thing that gives me a little bit of pause about Michigan is I'm, I'm not quite sure how dynamic they are offensively. I know they put up 70 on Rutgers, but that's like playing on air. You know, yeah, they so, scored two touchdowns against Wisconsin right. they didn't, at, at home. Wisconsin's so. very good on defense. Though. No, I know. Yeah, that's, true. Saying, yeah. that's true. Steven, by the way, on Facebook says, don't sleep on the Spartans. I'm sleeping soundly the last on three the Spartans. The last three games, <laughs> two they've lost five. by I'm, double digits. I am knocked to like out on unranked yeah. teams, right? right? I'm sorry? The last three games they played, they've lost by double digits to unranked teams. I believe that's correct. So, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Archie says Michigan State is horrendous. Game will be over 15 minutes in. No offense. That's the problem. If you don't have some sort of dynamic offense. Mm -hmm. And listen, Colorado does. Yeah. Colorado does have a dynamic offense. They did have their starting quarterback for the first two and a half quarters. And they had scored 28 points. So you can move the ball on Michigan. But not in, if you're just going to sit there and be basic and be a pro-style offense, it ain't going to happen against this defense. That's why They're too good. Ohio State will be, you know, even though they don't stretch the field, the, the speed and the dynamic of that offense will give them, maybe give them fits. We'll see. How badly do they beat Michigan State? I think it, it's not quite the level of, of Washington getting its you know, a revenge against Oregon. The 70-21 to 21 21. game, wasn't it? I, look, Jim Harbaugh is way more vindictive mm -hmm. than, than Chris Peterson is. If he can do 70-21, to 21, he's going to try to do it. He hates that school. But, you know, it has nothing to do with Mark D'Antonio. He hates that school because he's a Michigan guy who yeah. grew up hating Michigan State. They went by and at Michigan least State. Four, four and look what happened last year. You know, last that stung. Year, yes, that stung. And by the way, Michigan State has been, for the last few years, rubbing it in Michigan's face, how many times they've beaten them in the last five or six oh, years, all this. I mean, there's a lot of animosity there. It could get ugly How many times do you Lansing? have to listen to, to your colleague, Dave Wands, that come back from Chicago and talk about how Michigan State knows they're the toughest team? You know, like ah, he's off the Michigan State uh, bandwagon. Uh, the Big, Big Ten Network is not, they're off, they're off Sparty. They're, they're still on Michigan and Ohio. Actually, Probably a rough week this week with Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Wanstead's favorite barometer for teams is, Go coach, coach, 
go out there and play him in the parking lot. Who wins? Yeah. Who, like, bang. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and that's his that's his Michigan State. God argument. bless. That was man. my best Dave Wanstat right there. Coach. 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 Um, so Michigan's number two in the AP poll. They move up. Um, they should be number two in the AP poll with what they've been able to do in the last few weeks. Like I said, 16 total first downs in the last three games. But pretty wide margin between them, number two, and the number one team in the country, mm-hmm. guys. Alabama, who went through a bit of a gauntlet, at least for SEC schedules. That's as much of a gauntlet as you're going to get before you start getting into the buys and the FCS schools in November's, which in November, which I hate uh, beyond anything else in life, SEC November schedules. However, having said that, Alabama took care of business, and they did so in a pretty non-dramatic fashion. They didn't have to have a field goal missed by an opponent or block a field goal by Mount Cody playing Tennessee when Lane Kiffin was, you know, I mean, that was pretty drama-free to go through that schedule that they just went through. They faced Tennessee. They faced Texas A&M. Guys, they're as good as I've seen in a long time. This may be Saban's best Alabama team. I mean, the thing that's fascinating to me is this is year three for Lane Kiffin with a new quarterback, and it's a true freshman mm-hmm. quarterback. I mean, to go through that. I remember last year at the beginning of the year when there was a lot of Josh Rosen hype about, hey, there's only been one freshman quarterback who's ever won a national title. It was Jamel Holloway, you know, whatever, 30 years ago. Um, Jalen Hurts could be that guy. I mean, he's a really good runner. I mean, I talked to Kevin Sumlin and I talked to on Sunday. You know, they just got beaten. Mm-hmm. And at one point they're up 14 13. Mm-hmm midway through the third quarter and then the, you know the doors blow off but he said they are so good up front and they have so many guys to rotate but he goes unless they beat themselves yep. I don't think anyone's beating them and he's known Jalen Hurts since he was like 10 years old Hurts is a Texas kid he said he is he's very talented he is really really smart and I think that's the thing that people probably you know haven't gotten a handle on yet why he's because they know he can run but again freshman quarterback do you think a freshman quarterback even on a Saban team can make it through the whole way unscathed. When you got a defense like yeah, that, I, I mean, yeah. and listen, Lane's doing a great he's, job he's with him. He's protecting him. Yes. him. And, and I think thing. the game plan is maybe even more important than anything for Hertz because Lane doesn't ask him to do anything that he can't do. Yeah, he, he's, he, I think going into last week, he was averaging about 25 attempts a game. So he's not putting the game on his shoulders, but he doesn't have to. And they run the football extremely well. Mm-hmm. And Joel, you, we've said this every week, but the fact that he is a mobile quarterback just makes him more dynamic yep. offensively. And when I watch this game, they're just so methodical and they grind you out for four quarters on both sides of the ball. You have to be perfect to beat them. And that's the thing is I, I don't think they're unbeatable because I don't think any team in college football is ever yeah, unbeatable. Yeah, you never know in one You never know, and you never know. He may play like – they may need him to – LSU's playing well. You know, Auburn's playing well. There's teams that are playing better. I just think if you, you can't turn the ball over. You have to be perfect, and you have to somehow – make a play, a, a blocked kick. You have to do those things to beat them this sure. year, in my the, opinion. The big issue, and from talking to Mazzoni, who's the offense coordinator at AM, was, you know, can you get it to the fourth quarter and hang around right. with them and see what happens in the fourth quarter? Also, you know, the, the, the book on them in the SEC is you got to try to take shots on, at them. Well, the problem is, and AM's interior was not good enough. They had a freshman who just got slaughtered in there, especially by Jonathan Allen. But... If you, can't, you, you can't take shots if your interior is getting blown apart. So you better have a good offensive line 
and A&M does have the receivers to do damage, but they couldn't hold up. How, how much does the loss of Eddie Jackson affect them, you think? I think that's going to affect big. them a lot. Let me, and I'll tell you why in just a second. But first, a couple of comments. Dwayne says, you can't touch Saban, and I hope Michigan plays Bama to shut up baby Jim. I think a lot of people <laughs> in the SEC footprint feel that way because they feel like oh yeah, Jim Harbaugh is essentially like the college version of an antichrist <laughs> to the <laughs> SEC fans, right? I mean, like um, he's the antithesis of yeah. everything they hate. The a guy that's camps, not all this stuff. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. The, he, he challenged the status yeah. quo, all that different stuff. Uh, Trip says Clay Travis owns you, Clat. Couldn't be anything further from the <laughs> truth. Clay Travis is a hack. The dumbest, um, the dumbest tweet. Uh, the dumbest tweet I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you retweet. I didn't even bother. What was the tweet? Well, the so Clay Travis. <sighs> wait, wait, you hear Don't this. don't honor him with a follow. <laughs> no, I, trust, trust me, I love Clay. Listen, here's the deal. Clay. Clay tweets out this week that Ole Miss is, could win the Pac-12, they could win the Big 12, and you know he handily all this different stuff. I mean, Ole Miss is a three and four team, right? Three and five. He said they, they'd be the best. They'd be favored in they'd every be, game against the Pac-12. No, he opponent, said he said that 12. they would win the Pac-12 they, or the Big 12. And so their I, run defense would get shredded by a lot of teams. Shredded. You see what Leonard Fournette just did? Your guy who he just had came like out seven carries <laughs> for a thousand yards against Ole Miss, and Clay just has this rinse and repeat October 20th tweet ready. It's like on his calendar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's October 20th. Send out that tweet again. So he's like, okay, look at the sixth best team in the West or the fifth best you, team in the West and say, this team, X team, can beat anyone in I the Big 12 or the Pac 12. Everything of he course says. he does. I don't think he believes anything. I don't. I think, I, don't I, think so? I think half the time. I think oh, he truly man. thinks Ole Miss I, probably could win the Pac 12. I do not. I think this is. Clay. I think most I think people in the South believe that. I, whether that may be true is different. I think Clay is savvy enough that he's like doing this and he's got his little puppet things around and his puppet strings on all the Oh, yeah. Well, he knows to get around. All I said on Twitter is that that was the dumbest thing he's ever tweeted, which is a staggering admission (laughs) because he's tweeted some of the stupidest (laughs) things I've ever seen in my entire life. We love you, Clay, but not really because that was the dumbest thing of all time. You've done it with Arkansas, you did it with. Mississippi State, again, rinse and repeat. His calendar binged, and he was like, Old Miss could beat anyone in the pack. Oklahoma would beat Ole Miss. Washington would beat Ole Miss. Colorado would probably beat Ole Miss. There's, Utah would probably beat Ole Miss with that running game and Joe Williams. Lots of teams would beat yeah. Ole Miss. How, how about this? This We're getting totally off topic here, but I want to talk about the SEC because I know you love this. On my radio show. I don't hate the it, SEC. No, no, I'm just gonna but you're going to love this. Travis, On my radio right. show with Mark Packer this week, yeah. Mark Packer said, you could take an all-star team from the SEC East and line up against Alabama, and Alabama would still win the game. That's I, that's probably true. Because and, and, and here's, we, we, here's we were the talking thing, about how though, bad about, that division is. Well, the, the division, yes, no question about it. Look at what Florida did last year. They win the division, and then they went and got taken behind the woodshed and throttled by Michigan in the bowl game. I mean, throttled by Michigan. That conference is held. They have one pillar. They're standing on one leg, which is Nick Saban and Alabama. Everybody else at this point are coattail riders. They're decent teams here and there, and they have pockets of success like Auburn has had, and LSU is good and bad in different weeks. Arkansas just gave up 540 yards rushing, and they're a Brett Bielema like, we're powerhouse, don't we? You can't win without a tight end or a fullback. I'm Brett Bielema. You guys suck. (laughs) 
540 yards. UCLA didn't even give up 540 yards rushing last week. I give don't me see a this break. part on the script. I, you know what? <laughs> that came in my mind, and I got off script. I'm sorry, Joel. But I thought it was fascinating. It was, if you think about it, that division is so bad. It is bad. And if you take the best players from every team and put together a team and line up against Alabama, Alabama would beat them. And I, I, I actually believe that. I think that there's, I think we, yeah. there's eight teams around the country, nine, ten, ten teams around the country that would win the East pretty handily. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's a really good conference. They've got good depth. I think Texas A&M is a decent team. I, I wouldn't call them fool's gold anymore. Which I could come across on that. But they are such a one-headed monster, it's not even funny. Compare, they are carried by Alabama. the Pac-12 South, which is up in the air, to the, to the SEC East. Hmm. I feel like I'm putting this on a tee for you, but... I, I think... I think that the Pac-12 South is a better division than the SEC East. I really do. I, th- I think that it's... I mean, it's, Arizona's down this year. Arizona's down. There's, there's no question, but... But you got Vandy's UCLA is down. Mizzou's Listen, I don't think team. that the Pac-12 South is that great. I think we're comparing two bad divisions. Right, that's the point. Um, that's a toss-up, maybe, I would say. Flip of the coin. I mean, I think right now, Wisconsin, I would argue, Wisconsin and Nebraska are better than the top of the SEC East. Yes, I think Wisconsin or Nebraska would win handily the SEC East or the Pac-12 South. Mm. I think Tennessee is probably. I, I was gonna say, I think Tennessee is 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 up there. The part is Georgia's. I'm not Georgia's sold struggling. on Nebraska yet. So. I'm not sold on them either. But Georgia's struggling. The rest of it, I mean, I think that goes to your point about the the, the watered down SEC outside of Alabama. Alabama is a great team. Is a great team. They're yeah. my pick to win the national championship. Um, there's no doubt. The SEC is a really good conference. It gets so carried away because of the love for that conference about how good everyone else is. Look, at, I mean, you get you move up six spots for putting 500 yards on Arkansas, who's just an average team. I mean, you, there's constantly all these like, oh, look at all the ranked matchups and strength of schedule, this or that. And it's because the AP always leaves these teams in like 25, 24, 23, 22. You're always going to find like, oh, someone creeped in because they beat Memphis, Do you Wofford. Know do you know that ESPN has this FPI ratings that has Ole Miss number 11? We're going to move on right now because I don't want to get into a network war. Isaac says the Pac-12 South will be owned by CU. That's what I'm talking about, Isaac. I do think Colorado is going to win the Pac-12 South. We're going to get to them in a little bit. Heath says no one beats Bama this year. Heath, I agree with you wholeheartedly. In fact, I'm going to throw a little uh, Facebook Live poll to you right now. How much money would you bet in Vegas right now on this Two-outcome parlay. Lamar Jackson wins the Heisman. Alabama wins the national championship. I would put a lot of money on that right now. Bang. I would put plenty. I'm not going to say how much because I might do it. No, I won't. I'm not going to do that. One guy but. could, one guy could upsurd, up, up, upset both things. Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette is He goes over 150 case. and he knocks them off. Leonard Fournette will be in the driver's seat for the Heisman, I bet. Interesting case for Leonard Fournette. Well, After we'll, missing three games? He's got that like two-year run type of He's thing got going the cash on right? a little oh, bit. Man. What do you know um, about the Heisman anyway? Not yeah, much. <laughs> not you much. only won it. You only won it. Matt I don't know Leonard. how. And a national championship in the same year. What about Jalen Hurts for the Heisman? Hmm. Next year. Maybe next year. Um, Jake Browning next year. Let's get into the Pac-12 South a little bit. Um, as we look at the Pac-12 South, Utah and Washington. Utah is right now in the driver's seat of the Pac-12 South along with Colorado. They both control their own destiny. They have to play Washington. Colorado doesn't. That's a huge feather in the cap for Colorado because I don't think 
Um, Colorado is in a place where they can beat Washington, in particular if that game were to take place in Seattle. However, I'll be in Salt Lake this week. And as good as Washington has been, guys, we've seen crazy things happen in Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. That's a difficult place to play. Um, right now, Kyle Whittingham has Utah on a 23-game run. That's the best of any 23-game run currently in the Pac-12. They're 19-4, and four, better than Stanford, better than Washington, better, better than everybody. Um, this is an interesting game. I, I got to tell you, with the way that Washington stops the run and the way that Utah runs the ball, strength against strength, I can't wait to watch that front seven go against Joe Williams in that Utah rushing attack. Yeah, I'm curious because so we both have had, had Utah games this year, and I did not have a Joe Williams game. This was on his hiatus or retirement it's or whatever retirement. it was. You saw it. I did not get a chance to watch the game. But how, are they, how is this guy all of a sudden running for three row? UCLA has a lot of athletes and have a lot of experience. I mean, what has changed? They're missing their best offensive lineman. Chris Dillman is out for the year. JJ Dillman is out for the year. Their backup center, Lo Falamaka, is out. So they're on a third-string center, former walk-on Nick Nowakowski. Who had never played center in a game in his life and until And he two weeks played ago. great last week. I'm telling you, you drove here, right? You drove here today? Yes. Matt, you drove yep. here as well. All of you, maybe you're watching at work. You drove to your place of work, or maybe you are just driving home or whatever. If you pull into a parking lot and you see how wide the space, like a parking space is, those are the size of the holes that he was running through against UCLA. I mean, that offensive line like that. was incredible. And then he's the fastest player on the team. He runs somewhere right below a 4-4. And so once he's got that crease, bang, he's gone. The, and they did a tremendous job. The biggest thing for me, and, and I know Joey, you're calling this game, is, is Troy Williams. And quarterback for Utah. Quarterback for Utah. And, and Again, he, he beat USC throwing the football. USC defensively is not Washington, but he has proven this year that he can throw the football better than I think they've done in the past. He still hasn't been great this year. You know, looking at the numbers in the last four games, I think he's got one touchdown pass. Well, now, they, they, don't, they, don't, they were missing Tim Patrick for a while. He's yeah, there really, he's, and he's the one that he, he targeted the touch, against yeah. Adoree um, Jackson. I, I just wonder, I wonder if... I know they put up 50 points against UCLA, but they didn't have to throw the ball. He was bad. He didn't, he didn't throw the ball very well. I just wonder, I know at home, and, and again, I, I love Utah because I love the grind and I love how they play, but Washington is so good defensively, so good. and they're so good at all levels. They're they can so stop good. the pass if they want. They can stop the run if they want. This game just comes down to Troy Williams. Can he make the plays? And how do you I, think he's going to hold up? We did his game against Arizona. He had talked to us you know, the day before the game about how personal – it was with he was right. came from Washington. Yep. He was a. Do you mind if I guy. just run down the story real yeah. quick, or do you want to do it? Uh, I will do it. And Go cheat you up. Yeah. So he's a Sark guy. He's a Southern California kid. Comes up there. He felt like he had won the job. He was at Washington. He was at Washington. Felt like he won the starting job. You know, Chris Peterson came in. They went with uh, Jeff Lundquist. Didn't work out. And he basically was like, "Hey, I'm done." And he all these are his buddies. He's still tight with a lot of these guys. And so this is, he went home, he went back to junior college. I don't have the training table. I don't have all these things. He got humbled quite a bit. This game is going to be very personal to him. How do you think he's going to handle that? I think it really bodes well that it's at home mm -hmm. and not on the road. Because that can be an overwhelming deal. Yeah. When you feel like you're playing not just the opponent, but the place the, or everything about it, that can be overwhelming. So it being in Salt Lake is a, is a huge benefit to Troy Williams. I think everybody handles it different. Some guys go out there, like Baker Mayfield. He went back to Texas Tech last week in a game that you did. 
They were chanting F U Baker, blah blah. Yeah. I mean, on and, and he on. He lit them up. He lit them up. He he almost lives for right. that moment. Now it helped that it was Texas Tech's defense. But, but Troy Williams hasn't that. really Which been is in this just spot. a, bu- a, a bit tougher than a wet paper bag. Right. I'll tell you what, that, that's a whole other conversation whole other for a different day. I think he's going to play well. He has a run game, which helps him out quite a bit. And he's also been be. running more, too. Williams yes, he has definitely been running more, too. I don't, that's a tough question. Did you ever get into the, one of those situations where you almost wanted it more? I, it, it makes me nervous for him because you, t- you, wanna, you press a little bit. And you want to try. The fact that he's at home is a, is a perfect example of the point you made. But I just think you just they're not a great passing team that yeah. aren't built that way. So you just hope he doesn't try and do too much because he has turned the ball over. He yep. has forced the ball a little bit. I like the kid. I think he's tough. Um, but I just know in this type of mentality, hey, I want to go out there. I want to beat this team. You know, Chris Peterson turned his back on me. All the, you know, all the things that go into that, you got to calm your emotions. Now, Baker Mayfield lives off that. That's yeah, the right. chip on his shoulder. Yep. We haven't fuel. seen that from Troy Williams yet. Maybe, maybe, maybe he thrives in he this He seems spot. like a more low-key kid. He's, he's done remarkable as far as a leader he does. goes yeah, for he Utah. Has. He really has. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting. I really do. Because i got to tell you, I didn't react well in those, in those situations. When I, when I got into a spot where it's like I wanted it, when I was playing something bigger than just the opponent and, and ec- trying to execute something grander than just the details of the concept, I didn't do well in those situations. I wonder how it was that last year when you guys weren't only playing your opponents but history in 05. I mean, did it become a thing where it was hard? For me, it was hard every single week. And it wasn't like we were a great offense. And I'll I'll never – a perfect example is the – and this wasn't about playing a former team. It was just about – you know, battling expectations and the grind. And I remember the Bush push game and everyone, everyone, the Notre Dame game, and everyone talks about the greatest game. It was a, the, it was one of my worst games my senior year. Statistically wise, we played awful. We played great in the last two minutes. And Pete Carroll and I used to joke about it. He's like, God, everyone says it's the greatest game and all this stuff. But man, that was, it was an awful film. Like it was, we went in, we're like, we were terrible. We were lucky to win that game. I was so beat down mentally because I was like, God, I want to, I want to play so well. I'm, I'm, you know, I won the Heisman last year. Mm-hmm. This is this, and then the next week we played Washington at Washington. Didn't you hammer them? We hammered them, and, it, and we had a we had a team meeting that day on Monday, um, and I had called it some of the leaders and called. We just said, guys, like we are, like we need to just get back to having fun because we we felt the pressure every single week mm-hmm. and. Um, I guess to your point that you know it just happens. Like people, you know, you want to go out there, you want to try hard, you want to do it. Sometimes you just got to take a deep breath, let the game come to you. And we did that at Washington, and we ended up beating them. And I and I just finally realized, listen, I'm not going to try and throw for 500 yards a game. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to facilitate, be the point guard, get the ball to my guys, and let them do it. And then we, you know, we went on a run. And if I were to give advice to Troy Williams, I I would sit him down and I would say, Troy. You cannot right all of the presumed wrongs that happened at Washington with your play on the field. All you can do is execute the details of the offense. That's all he has control over. And if you go out there trying to right the wrongs or prove something, it's a dangerous situation because Washington feeds off yep. the turnovers. There's one, they're one of the best defenses in the country, and if you put the ball up for grabs, they will get it. Mm. One positive, I think, so we had Kyle Whittingham in our, in our interview, and, and everything I'd ever heard from a lot of other coaches is Kyle Whittingham is the ultimate like alpha male mm-hmm. of the head coaches, you know, and just super tough guy, was that way at, at, as a player in college. And so I had asked him, who on your team is the most like you? 
he said Troy he Williams, yep. and I was like, wow, that's a huge compliment mm -hmm. for him to say, especially about a JC guy who comes in and then becomes captain. It was like, you know, the story about Russell Wilson goes yep. to Wisconsin, becomes Very captain. Very similar. So that speaks volumes yeah, about that no, kid's character. Okay, so that's a lot about Utah. We haven't even really discussed Washington. They've got what I think is the quarterback playing the best football in the country right now in Jake Browning. I know that there's a lot of guys out there putting up huge numbers, but no one quite as efficiently as Browning. 26 touchdowns, I believe, only two interceptions. He's lit up teams down the field. He's a point guard underneath. He uses his feet better than most people expect him to use his feet. And guys, this is a difficult matchup because he can light it up down the field. Utah, I think Utah leads the country in takeaways. They too. do, 21. 21 or 22. Yeah. And Washington, as you said, is one of the best teams at protecting the football in the pass and the run game. And uh, that's going to be a great matchup, you know, because Utah at home, it's a big home field advantage. Uh, they got a good defensive front. They got some athletes in the back end. But, but it's a lot like, and again, I mean, Alabama's in a, in a different level, I still think, in Washington right now. But you have to, Washington isn't beating themselves. You know, they're right. just, they're playing four quarters. They're pounding you both sides of the ball. They've got a ton of confidence. And I think Utah is going to have to force a takeaway. They're going to have to create turnovers for their offense. I, I just don't think Utah's not going to score 50 points on Washington like they did against UCLA. So. No, they need this to be more of a defensive battle yeah. like they were expecting against UCLA. Trust it, me, both teams, when I met with them last week, they were like, guys, I think first one to 14 might win this one. And then all hell broke right. loose, and <laughs> offensively they were throwing the ball all over the place. I think the biggest key for Utah, in fact, I do not like their chances unless Marcus Williams plays. Marcus Williams is a terrific All-American caliber safety, rangy center fielder that a lot of the NFL scouts are gushing over. They say he plays a lot like Ed Reed, constantly around the ball, three picks. He's a really good player. If he's not able to go like he wasn't against UCLA, then it might have to be a little bit of a scoring duel and, and kind of an offensive battle. I don't think Utah wants yeah. to get in that with Jake Browning and that Washington offense. So that's a little key right there. Uh, Kyle says, by the way, about Kyle Whittingham. No, Whittingham doesn't say this, but Kyle Rowe on Facebook says, Whittingham is the best coach in the Pac-12, and he'll have his players ready to go. There's no doubt that he's going to have his players ready to go, and it's an interesting question whether Kyle Whittingham should be considered one of the best coaches in the Pac-12. If you're going to have that conversation, and why not have it right here on Facebook? If you're going to have a, what, three or four coach discussion, he's in it. Well, so is the guy on the other sideline, I think. Chris Peterson, yeah. Chris no Peterson, doubt. David Shaw. David Shaw, despite the year, but yeah. Um, Mike McIntyre? This year. What he's building, This though? year, I mean, two yeah. wins in Jim, first Jim, years Jim Moore is a good coach. They're, they're, they're slowly declining. Yeah, but their he, trend is not in the right direction. Um, I think you start with those three those guys three, we just said. Yeah. You know, look, I think Rich Rod's a terrific coach. He's having a bad, bad season. Bad year. I mean... That's a, I mean, yeah, that's right. Kyle, Kyle Whittingham Williams. has been a great coach for a long time. Yeah. And he's navigated this transition from the Mountain West into the Pac-12 really well uh, for them. Uh, let's go to another Power 5 conference, the Big 12. And I know it's been a little messy this year and not many people are focused on the Big 12, but they're probably going to need to start to focus on the Big 12 because we've got a couple of teams sitting there as undefeated guys, not only in conference, but also overall. Baylor and West Virginia at number eight and number 10 in the country. OU is sitting atop the standings with those four Big 12 wins. So those three teams still vying for a Big 12 championship. Uh, let's start with West Virginia because they've got, I would say, their stiffest test of the, se 
remaining on their schedule is actually this weekend. I know that sounds odd because they still have to face Oklahoma and they st still have to face Baylor. But, At Bruce, home. both of those are in Morgantown. Yeah. This is their toughest test away from Morgantown, which is where I think you've got to beat them. Yeah. They go to Oklahoma State this weekend. Yeah, Dana Holgerson used to coach on Mike Gundy's staff in Stillwater. I think the, one of the best stories quietly under the radar in college football this season is Tony Gibson, the defensive coordinator there. So they lost really three studs off their defense to the NFL. Carl Joseph, Carl Joseph was a was. high pick. Now, they missed yeah. him for half of last season. But, and then going into the season, they lose their most experienced defensive player to an ACL injury for the year. He's got a bunch of JC guys, especially in the secondary, who have really stepped up. You know, I've been a, done a bunch of Big 12 games now, and there are people who talk about Rasul Douglas as a potential first-round pick. He was a guy off people's radar for a while. He's a corner for them, he's and a, I think he's done he's really big. well. Kaiser White, who's the youngest of the White brothers, Kevin White's youngest right. brother. He's a physical, very physical safety. They're playing well. They have a really good offensive line. And I think Dana Holgerson is as good a offensive mind as there is in college football. And, um, you know, I think they have a puncher's chance to get through this schedule for, for a lot of the reasons you said. I, I got to tell you, of all the coaches that you would consider kind of a spread, offensive-oriented, let's-go-score-a-lot-of-points type of coach, Dana Holgerson has done the biggest about face of any of those guys as far as adjusting to what his team needs. Mm -hmm. Think about it. This, this guy was essentially an air raid guy. Grew up under Mike Leach mm -hmm. at Texas Tech. Went and was under Sumlin at Houston, which is when he got Cliff Kingsbury to actually enter into the coaching ranks. They were roommates in Houston when he was an assistant there. Then he was the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State for one year with Brandon Whedon and Justin Blackman set all sorts of and records for That's where for he them. really changed. Yeah. And he came up with his diamond formation because he wanted to, you know, it worked on two fronts. He wanted to isolate uh, his great receiver outside, but all of a sudden he created something that kind of changed what a lot of other people were doing. And I think, you know, he's the most like Leach when it comes to how he runs the team. When you listen to him in meetings, all that stuff, I've been around both a lot. But he is also the one who is who is the most uh, open-minded mm -hmm. to shaking things up and doing whatever works, and it's it's right. working. Do you know what's interesting? I actually talked with Mike Leach before doing the West Virginia Texas Tech game because obviously we had Dana, we had Cliff, and we wanted to talk to him about both. And I mean, this quote—it's so Mike Leach. It's 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 funny. He says. Dana Holgerson is the most conservative coach he's ever coached with. I'm like, Dana Holgerson is the most conservative coach you've ever coached with? That says a lot about everyone that Mike Leach has had on his offensive staff. Um, Dana will also talk about not only that year at Oklahoma State, Bruce, but to take it a step further, when he showed up at West Virginia, he had what he felt like was an offense that could spread it out and just beat people scoring. And he had Geno Smith, Tavon Austin, Stedman Bailey. I mean, they were really good. They were ranked, I think, sixth in the country at one mm -hmm. point going into Texas, maybe third in the country. They beat Baylor 70 to 62 or something they along those lines. They put up 70 on Clemson in the Orange Bowl. And, and all of a sudden, he, he saw that start to deteriorate. And he realized that worked in the Big East. I can't do that now mm -hmm. in the Big 12. And he started to change. He brought Tony Gibson back into the fold. Tony Gibson was a, a longtime West Virginia assistant on the defensive side for Rich Rodriguez. He went with Rich Rod up to Michigan. They all lost their jobs. Tony then went to Pittsburgh with Todd Graham. All of those guys are the 3-3-5 three, three, mm -hmm. defense kind of disciples. Went back with Rich Rod to Arizona before finally saying, I just want to go home. So he comes back to West Virginia under Dana Holgerson. I think he's done. There's two defensive coordinators out there that I would put alongside Don Brown 
at Michigan, who's done a remarkable job this year. But the two defensive coordinators I'd put alongside Don Brown as the three best defensive coordinator jobs in the season uh, of the year, Tony Gibson at West Virginia, Jim Lovett at Colorado, yeah. and Don Brown at Michigan. Um, but Tony Gibson deserves a lot of credit for that. They're going to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is going to threaten them, there's no doubt. And uh, that's going to be an interesting game with a lot of emotion into it. It's homecoming week in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. at Oklahoma State. And, and just remember, and if you want to, maybe say a prayer for what happened last year. Remember, this is the week that they had the parade and the woman in the pickup drove through a pile of people, um, killing several years people. Ago, right? Last year. It was just last year? It was yeah. just last year, yeah. Wow. Um, horrific type of a deal, but that's what's going on there. More Big 12 action. Baylor, who has had maybe the easiest four-week stretch of any Power 5 conference team ever in the middle of the season. They went um, Iowa State by, Kansas by. <laughs> so now welcome back Texas. to the fold, Baylor. Uh, you had the month of October in Manhattan, guys. Uh, Matt, when you watch Baylor, and I know Coach is high on Baylor, so you have to hear a lot about Baylor. Oh, but God, he loves Baylor. What do you I, see? Because I, I don't see a very good team. And i got to go there next week. They're probably going to be all upset. They're, t- they're, they they're, they're on you. They've got, you they've don't got think like, offensively they're a good team? Um, not th- what they have been. No. Remember now, I've, I've covered them now for yeah. three or four year, five years. This offense is not what those is offenses were. Because the offensive were. line is yes. not as yeah, exactly. they're, they're, Last year's offensive line was special. And they could run it at will. And they did at times. Remember, they put up, what was it, 400 or like 500 600 yards? yards against I North think Carolina. the, 600 bowl, yards in that the, bowl, the bowl biggest game. difference, though, and, and I... And, and look, I, I give them credit for what they've done, given all the everything around them, for them to continue to win games, even though the schedule has been fairly easy, mm-hmm. uh, with all the distractions and the the carelessness. I think in the coaching, there's just been a lot going on. A lot going on. And they they they've continued to win games, and you have to give them credit. Now the meat of their schedule comes up, and we're going to find out how good Baylor is. But I still think because the defenses are so poor in this conference, minus maybe West Virginia right now. I mean, we saw Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma State is, is decent. You know, Texas obviously has their issues. Baylor still offensively is one of the most explosive sure. offenses in, in the conference, given what they're playing against this year. I don't think they've, they've had the firepower, the receiver position. Uh, they have great tailbacks this year. The offensive line obviously is, is, is the inexperienced group. But it, it, the way Baylor sets up is, listen, they have a chance to, to validate this eight ranking, you know, they haven't played anybody. I don't know how West Virginia is ranked high, uh, lower than them based on the I don't schedule. Yeah, I agree. And based but on what they've done this based year. Based on what they've done, but they I have a West chance Virginia, to prove just it. To, just to throw it out there, I had West Virginia, if, if I was a voter, at six. They've earned it. Yeah, no doubt to me. How much do you think, by the way, so this Baylor-Texas matchup, Texas got the, a lot of big-time transfers who are signees from from Baylor, Baylor, including Devin DuVernay, who's had, like, the last three weeks, he's been one of their biggest bright spots. He's had, like, 65-70, and last week he had an 80-yard touchdown. How badly do you think people at Baylor want Baylor to just absolutely blow Texas off the field? Oh, I mean. Probably more than any other opponent, I bet. And and we know, listen, Baylor right now, and with all due respect, but they are very insecure about a lot of different things. You you and I both know this, right? And, And that's one of them, whether they can recruit or not. They're trying to recruit as a staff right now to the school, not to themselves. It's really a strange, uh, strange deal. Uh, here's a, a, just a quick nugget. Texas has beaten their last two top 10 opponents, last year against Oklahoma, this year against Notre Dame. In those two games, if you combine their rushing totals, 550 yards rushing, 
Baylor is only a middle of the pack, maybe bottom tier rush defense in the Big 12. And guys, I think Texas can run the ball on Baylor, and that's exactly what Iowa State did. Um, Iowa State ran it for over 200 yards. Uh, Oklahoma State ran it for over yeah. 200 yards against Baylor. That, that defense is suspect this week. They're going to have to play really well offensively, mm -hmm. throwing the ball with Seth Russell in order to get out of there with a win. Are you guys picking Texas to upset Baylor? No, I'm not. No, but I, I think I, it'll be a tight game. Texas is so poor defensively. I, I just, they couldn't I, tackle last yeah. week. I watched that game. I, mean, I was they, like, it was this week. <laughs> all, season. all season. Well, especially last week. I, I thought, I mean, you had, you had K-State against Stanford, and it was mm -hmm. like their, their offense gave Texas so many problems. And you can say what you want about the rebuilt offensive line. Baylor has three really good running backs. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. Seth I, Russell's good. I mean, yep. they have, yeah, still have they still run, explosive yeah. receivers. Zamora is a really good wide receiver. They still have KD out yeah. there who can they're, run they're with anybody in the country. They're tough. I would, I would say they're going to win. I think it's going to be a tight game, though. Okay. I really do. Um, that, that defense, it just if Texas wants to run the ball, they're going to be able to. We'll see if uh, Bouchel can get going then outside of that. Um, all right, the ACC. We haven't really dove into the ACC. Um, at least when I look at the ACC, guys, this to me is the way the Florida State is starting to trend with Dalvin Cook getting healthier. Now, they're not going to win the division, but they've got Clemson. And the way that Louisville is just sitting there, this could get messy when it comes to playoff scenarios because I could see Clemson going down the way that they've played. I could see them losing to Florida State still winning the division and being the ACC champ. And then in the committee's eyes, I'm sure that they would want the more attractive playoff team, which would be Louisville, all due respect to Clemson, but with their body of work and their resume. But Clemson would be sitting there with the ACC crown, and they would have the same records with a head-to-head -head win for Clemson. I think that the ACC is really good. That division is really good. That's going to be a mess at the end of the year. I really think it's going to be a is, mess. Is Louisville that much more attractive to you than Clemson, even if Clemson loses with, with Deshaun Watson? Because Clemson would be 12-1 and one and Louisville would be 11. Uh, a 12-1 right. a, a Clemson team, I, don't, I think, would get in the, the playoff. Over Louisville. Yeah, I think so, too. Hmm. A championship and they own the head-to-head. I'm not saying Clemson. Clemson's like Florida State a couple years ago. They're yeah, they just, just surviving. That's yeah. all they're surviving. doing. And they don't look pretty, and you, you keep... This is a very interesting game for me. I, I like Clemson in this game. I really do just because the experience, they've been there. And if I'm looking at the quarterbacks, I'll take Deshaun Watson sure. any day of the week. It's that simple for me in this game because talent-wise, both teams are pretty evenly matched talent. I mean, these guys can play. Um, I still think Clemson I, – I personally, I know how hard it is to, to go out and just take the best shot, the best shot, the best shot, and they keep – now, they got lucky against NC State, completely lucky. But that, that happens, you know. They won the game, and they found a way to win in overtime. I just, I, I like them in this game. But this is, this, this is just a better Florida State team than what we yeah. saw earlier in the year. Cook has been leaned on in the last three, I believe it is, games. He's had no less than 25 carries, so he's being featured by Jimbo yeah. Fisher in that. He's run for 100 yards in all, all of those I games. I love Francois. And their defense good. is yeah. getting better. I think they present a, a whole heck of a lot of trouble to Clemson, who hasn't played great football this year, but they've won games. Yeah, I, I picked them to win the national title going in the year because I thought Deshaun Watson would rise up because he did that against Alabama and play at his best. You know, it, it does feel a little more like the your last year there where it was like everyone was talking about Clemson having one of the greatest offenses in college football history. And they started dropping passes in the first two weeks. They dropped a bunch of passes. You know, and it doesn't. 
something is just a little off, but I think they're going to, sooner or later, I think they're going to click, and I think it'll be, maybe this will be the week. I'm not, I'm not giving up on them until they lose. Who's the best conference in the country? Ooh, I'm going back to it. Uh, I still think it's the SEC. Okay. It's not the Pac-12. No, I was no, going to say not. I was going to say maybe the. Oof. The Big Ten is strong this year. The top, I mean, but they only have three, four teams. When a big, t- when an SEC team, I think team, the ACC is I was, strong. Uh, I think the ACC is if the best. If you look at the, this year. If, if, I mean, Virginia Tech is good. Uh, Pitt's good. I mean, they have a lot they're of teams good. that are, but they're, but, they're but, the de- but the depth is better this year, top to bottom in the ACC than yeah. it's been in the past. But I think when you, well, here's the one thing, and this is, I feel like an SEC apologist on this, and maybe I'm being it, but when an SEC <laughs> team sucks. It's like all of a sudden they are on display for everybody to go, man, you know, whatever, Vandy stinks or Mississippi State this year stinks. But when, you know, we're never talking about Boston College who's 0-4 and can't score in the conference and can't score. We're not talking about some of the, like, Purdue stinks. We're not talking about some of these, you know, Rutgers is god-awful. We're not talking about these other conferences who are kind of rising up and they're top-heavy. But when their teams suck, we don't talk about their teams suck. Let me tell you why. It's because... None of the mid-tier teams in those conferences stand on a mountaintop and beat their chest and tell you what a difficult schedule that they play every year with their buys and FCS opponents in November. So that's why we have to say, well, no, that's not the case. Look at Kentucky and look at Vanderbilt. They're no better than Boston College and Purdue and Arizona and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And, And Iowa State, throw Kansas out because they're atrocious. But you know what I mean? I'm, I'm with you. I just, I just think that, like, we forget about how, because they're almost new, we forget about how bad, you know, we're not discussing the top to bottom of the Big Ten. We're not discussing, you know, how bad. I didn't Boston. say the Big Ten. The Big Ten top to bottom is I think the ACC has the most depth issue. I think that they do. Virginia Tech. Virginia North Tech Carolina is, is decent. North Carolina. Uh, Pitt. I think um, Wake Forest is, is one game. So I'm not saying they're good, but I'm just saying the Look, depth. Syracuse is, isn't a bad team Syracuse, right now. Dino Babers has them going. They're the fastest offense um, in the country, so you've got to come to play. Babers is a, an, a long-time the, the, the emergent Louisville being the way they are has really helped this, this conference this year. It's just, amazing that they're in the Rick on Facebook says the SEC. Chris says the Big Ten. Patrick says the Pac-12. Pat, Patrick, that's a homer pick. <laughs> you can't say the Pac-12. Yeah, even there's, I won't say the There's Pac-12. only three legitimate answers, and really the Big Ten is fringe because it's so top-heavy. Yeah. This year's conversation is between the SEC and the ACC, and here's, the, here's my tip of the cap to the SEC. Every year, they're the one in the discussion. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Pac-12 rising up one year like they did a few years ago with all those great quarterbacks, or the Big 12 when they had the three teams up there, uh, uh, or Baylor and TCU, and there was somebody else, or three teams in 08 as well with the three-team uh, tie in the South Division. The SEC is consistently right there in the conversation, and a lot of times wins it. There's no doubt, and they win it because Alabama is so great. Um, they don't win it because Arkansas is good. I mean, they win it because they win it because yards. they're the conference with the most D linemen. Now, if you look and say, I think the ACC has better quarterbacks this year. No question. ACC no. has the best quarterbacks it does in any conference. Yeah. I think far. the conference strength always follows not defensive linemen but quarterback strength. But you need some combination of it, I which mean, the ACC has. Yeah, I mean, they, I'm just saying in terms of like what you see when you talk to again. These coaches are all biased. Are you, you know, from Louisiana? Or no, no, 
no, no, I'm just saying. He has been very pro-SEC. When you when you talk to coaches in the league, they're all. Is Feinbaum paying you? No. Is Clay paying you? Are your kids keeping you up at night? They always are. Yes. But whenever you have a coach, whatever league they're in, is like the best league, right? That's you know how they say it, but. When you have all these D linemen and it's a level of attrition that kind of wears them down, it's not to say that, you know, look, other Arizona's banged up, Utah's banged up, these are Pac-12 teams. But I do think those are the biggest difference maker guys. If you have, you know, really good sure. D linemen, you can, you can manage a lot of the other stuff. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I still think the SEC is the best. But I, it's fascinating to me that the ACC has made it mm -hmm. into the discussion because they were they a couple were years like ago. Fifth yeah, a couple of years ago, high. I would have yeah. said they were the worst. When Florida State won it, they were it. I mean, it was Florida State, and if they got that, past Clemson, that was they're it. going to the national <laughs> the national championship game. Um, okay, hey, reminder um, that when this season gets to it and we get polls, we're going to react to the polls live on Tuesday nights when we get college football playoff rankings. That's why the, the show is on Tuesday nights. That's going to come out at 4 Pacific, 7 Eastern, and we're on at 4.30 Pacific, 7.30 Eastern. So tune in every single week on Facebook Live, and we're going to be able to react to all the overrated SEC teams, and Bruce is going to cheer with his pom-poms. I'm kidding, Bruce. Now I'm, I'm turning I'm into kidding. Clay Travis. Well, that's is, all right. Sad. Which is a sad, sad, sad life. When you're grouped with Clay. I miss, I miss Clay, man. He's, I don't miss Clay at all. Yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> Not when he's tweeting the dumbest stuff I've ever heard in my life. Uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening on iTunes. Remember to subscribe to the podcast, Breaking the Huddle podcast on iTunes. Remember to like the show, share the show, and remember to continue to drink Dr. Pepper because it's delicious. Thanks for watching, everybody.